Thank you for your participation in worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 21, where we will read in just a moment the story of Palm Sunday. This morning we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. So happy Palm Sunday, if that's an appropriate thing to say. Palm Sunday is a day of celebration, a day of palm branches and kids marching around that we've experienced just a few moments ago. And at the same time, there looms ahead of us a darkness, for this is the beginning of Holy Week. I would suggest Palm Sunday leads us into the greatest week since creation. So in some respects, it's a temporary triumph, or you might call it the illusion of victory. This day marks the beginning of the road to Calvary. So in the week ahead, I would encourage you, as would our pastoral staff, to follow Jesus through Holy Week. There's numerous resources available to guide you through the week ahead. For the temptation for us this morning is to to fast forward, isn't it? Wouldn't we like to just fast forward past the coming days and get past Good Friday and the betrayal and the the cross and the punishment and all that comes this coming week and get to the resurrection day? That's really what we would like to do. That's where hope resides. And that's where we would like to find ourselves. And so our temptation is for us to just fast forward all that's ahead of us and get to the celebration that we so enjoy. The passion of the Christ and the story of that is such a painful image to us. While we remember it every, every month with, as we observe communion, I don't think it comes to play any more noticeable than this week. And so, while we would like to push ahead, we cannot. We must rest where we are today and know that we are going to take a journey to the cross. And it starts here. It's ironic that the people in Jesus' day longed for a better day as well. And so this morning, let's focus our hearts on the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem. If you have your Bibles, it's in Matthew chapter 21 that we'll focus today, verse 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. I untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their colts on them for Jesus to sit on. In verse 8, we find a very large crowd had gathered, they spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! 
Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and they asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. The question in verse 10 jumped off the page at me, to me when I was reading through the story. The whole city was stirred that day. They were in a sense of wonder. And they asked the question, who is this? We know that many in that day did not truly understand who Jesus was as he entered into Jerusalem. Pastor and writer Tom Bernard called the day, called the crowd that day clueless. He writes, the crowd was clueless. They shouted praises, but Jesus wept. They looked for a warrior king riding on a white stallion, but they got a a carpenter who was riding a donkey. They wanted the hype, but they got a healer. They wanted a prophet, but they got one who was fulfilling prophecy from Zechariah 9. They wanted a scepter. They got a savior. They got nothing that they asked for that day, but they got everything that they needed. And so the waving of palm branches and the laying down of the cloaks was typical for a crowd welcoming a beloved king or perhaps the victorious soldiers that were returning from battle. But many did not really truly understand who he was. I read a story about a man who entered a church service in the Netherlands. He was very plainly dressed and he walked to the front and he sat down in a pew and soon there came a woman along who informed the man that she was sitting in his seat. Well, that would never happen here. In some cultures, they pay for their seats. And this man was sitting in her seat and asked him to move. And he, so he complied. And he got up and he moved to an area where the poor would sit. And they went about the service. And at the close of the service, one of her friends came and asked her, Did you, Do you know who that was that you asked to move to the poor section? And she didn't really care as casually. No, she didn't know. And she was sad to find out, dismayed even, that that was the King Oscar of Sweden that you asked to move. I ponder on this question this morning for us. Who is Jesus? We're not going to take a long time to discuss it this morning, for we're walking a road that starts this morning along with Christ. And I'm not sure that there's a more important question that's posed to mankind than that. Who is he? Turn in your book on your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 24. We're going to read verse 7 through 10, a psalm that is attributed to David. The stanzas that were most likely sung by the Levites as they entered and brought the Ark of the Covenant into worship. Psalm 24, 7 through 10, it says, Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Verse 8 asks the question, Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is He, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Some theologians believe that this song or this type of singing is more along the lines of antiphonal singing, 
where one side would, would sing a stanza and then the other side would repeat it back. Kind of like the old pep rally days where one side would say, we got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? And the other side was, yeah, we got it too. Remember that? Do they still do that? I don't know. I haven't been in a game in a while. And then, you know, one side would get tired. So they would just go, we got more. We got more. I suppose modern day would be infinity, right? <laughs> Cuts that out. That's kind of the way the singing went with this. One side would, would raise the singing and say, who is he, this king of glory? And the other side would echo back, the Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. You know, throughout the New Testament, we find this question coming again and again. Many people in the scriptures pondered who Jesus was. The disciples wondered in Matthew 8, who is this guy that the wind and the sea would obey him? The crowds on that day, they thought he might be Elijah the prophet, or perhaps the heir apparent to John the Baptist. The Pharisees, they, they weren't sure, but they thought he was someone to be feared. He was a threat to their organized religion. They seemed to think he was a heretic, somebody that had to be dealt with, certainly somebody that needed to be silenced. Who is this man? Someone that day saw him for who he was. They shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is an indication that they had some idea that this man before them was the Messiah. Perhaps they were familiar with the Old Testament prophecy in Zechariah 9 that their Messiah, the King, would come on a donkey. And they recognized him for who he was and shouted the appropriate response. After the disciples saw him quiet the storm, And then he walked on the water. They began to worship him as the Son of God. But some that day saw him as a political figure. One who would take over and overthrow the Roman Empire and restore Israel to its former glory. Something that the Scriptures don't really address, but many that day didn't see him at all. There must have been crowds all across the country as they gathered for the feasts the celebrations. Maybe they heard the noise. Maybe that's what, was what, they, what Matthew's talking about, the stirring and the, and the wonder in the city. But they might not have seen Jesus at all and paid Him no mind. I wonder who He encountered that day on a dusty road entering Jerusalem. Certainly He encountered those who were disillusioned, those who were hesitant to believe, maybe those who could not trust anymore. And they had their guard up. They had walls up that needed to be penetrated. No doubt they were in the crowd that day, the disappointed. They had high hopes, but their their hopes were dashed over and over. Among them were the fatigued and the discouraged, those whose joy was gone. In the crowd were those in need of hope. They were desperate for something new. He encountered the dying, both inside and outside, those who needed a touch from heaven, and also the doubters that we know so much about that would become apparent in the story in the days ahead. Those skeptics that came and and caused division and caused people to mistrust and eventually led for Jesus to be arrested. I couldn't help but think today isn't much different. As we celebrate these moments of Jesus entering the, in this triumphal entry, a temporary triumph that it is, 
that he encounters the same today as he did so many years ago. We live in a culture today that is moving Christ to the margins. I don't know that there's ever been a time in history when our culture has pushed so hard to move Christ out of the public arena. My father's 92 years old. He was a pastor his entire life. And I've talked to him about the things that he, he encountered as a pastor. And he has told me over and over, he said, Mark, it's, it's not like it was then. It's different today. I'm not running for office, so I'm not looking for your vote. You understand me? Here's my concern. My concern is that this question of who Christ is is in front of us. And I don't know that there's a more important question for us to answer. And it's going to be coming to us over and over again. As our culture tries to push Christ aside, what will our answer be? Because the church must stand up and be recognized and be heard that Jesus is Lord. (laughs) Because if we're not, He will be pushed to the margins. I don't know what happens for the church of the future. I have my own ideas, and that's not my purpose for debate today. The question before us is the question that was there that day. Who is Jesus? And who is He in your life today? So who is this one that we celebrate this morning? He's the Son of God. He's the architect of creation. He's the conqueror of sin and hell and the grave. Isaiah called him wonderful counselor, mighty God. And he comes to bring a kingdom that is a kingdom of peace. Folks, in this air of incivility that we live in, we need a kingdom of peace to come upon us. John the Baptist preached about him in the wilderness He's the rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000. He's the Lord of all. He's the Lord of the past, and He's the Lord of the present, and He's the Lord of the future. And maybe most appropriately today, as we journey forward into the Holy Week 2019, Jesus is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist was preaching one day when Jesus approached. John stopped what he was doing and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Isaiah 53, Jesus is described as a lamb who was led to the slaughter. In Revelation 5, the angels declared in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Pastor Tim has been leading us through the book of Philippians. Paul writes to the church in Philippi with instructions on how they should treat one another. And he uses the example of Christ and encourages them to be like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. He said, rather than, he said, Jesus made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found 
in the appearance of man. He humbled Himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And this is where we stop. That's it. I felt this morning we don't need a lot of words. We're entering into the pinnacle of the Christian calendar. And so the journey of the cross begins right here. And so this is my question for you this morning. Who is Jesus? Who is He in your life today? You know, the battle for human mankind, for human souls, pivots on that question. The identity of Christ makes all the difference. Jesus made clear His disciples. He asked His disciples one day, He said, Who who do you say that I am? And I imagine if He stood before us today, I imagine He might ask us the same question. Who do you say I am? As we walk into uh, Holy Week, we are going to be bombarded by all the celebrations, the secular kind of focus. and We enjoy the fun activities. But the question remains. And so if you settled the question, that's great. Will you take the answer to your place of work and your home and your school and your neighborhood and let people know that Jesus is Lord? And maybe you're here this morning and you say, I, I know Jesus, but I'm like some of those people on the sidelines that day and I haven't called Him Lord. I know that our pastoral staff is here. They would love to meet you at an altar of prayer and help you pray to receive Christ. When we call Him Lord and we surrender our lives to Him, He changes everything. And that's what we find in the week ahead. As we were talking about the service amongst the planning team, the worship team, we talked about closing with a song about the cross. And the question came, is it an appropriate thing for Palm Sunday? And so, uh, it's a sending song. It's different than what we would normally use for a sending song, which might be like, you know, we're marching to Zion kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, rally the troops and here we go. It's not that. Because remember, today marks the beginning of a journey to the cross. And it's a journey not only for Christ, because we walk too. Jesus said, take up your cross, follow me. And so we're going to walk that journey as well. We walk it as a church, and we walk it as individuals. And so the praise team's going to come, and they're going to, we're going to lead you in a song. And this is our sending song today. Lord, lead me to the cross. Who is He? Who is He? Would you stand? Heavenly Father, We thank you, Lord, for the celebrations that we enjoy today.
And Lord, as we think about the week ahead, may this question come to our hearts and minds again and again. Oh Lord, if we don't know Him today as Lord, may that be our first step, even in these moments. And then, Lord, let us take to our world of influence the answer to that question. He is Lord. (laughs) He's my Lord. He is the Son of God and the risen one. We know in a few days a Roman soldier will stand at the cross and the story that we'll read will declare him the Son of God. And so, Lord, as we begin this journey together, lead us, Lord, to the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.